you know, finding ways that you can either turn it off or create blinders for yourself to protect your well-being. Like we can only be as good as our job if, if we're taking care of ourselves. We need to be doing that. A podcast that combines sports, social media, content, and life. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. I'm Elliot Gerard. We need to be doing that is a Heartlink Group production. Come on. We need to be doing that. All right, Elliot, I'm so excited for our next guest on the podcast, Assistant Director of Communications and Branding for the College Football Playoff, Katie Cavender. Katie, uh, I feel like we've known each other and circles you know for many years been uh, following your trajectory and your career trajectory uh for many years and, and there's a lot of people in the digital space that i think it's a close-knit circle and um i think your job's super interesting we'll get a little bit into that specifically with uh, the college football playoff but first i think a lot of people out there whether you're getting into the digital social industry or you're in the midst of it now always like to hear stories of how people got to where they are now and sort of your career path. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got to uh, the college football playoff? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me today. A uh, longtime listener, first time caller, really honored. To be <laughs> there you go. I love that radio call. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I am, I'm, I guess, old timer as it relates to the sort of the content generation space compared to um, all of the tremendous things the next generation coming up behind us. Um, are doing, but I um, grew up in a rural town in northern Nevada um, called Elko between Reno and Salt Lake City. And so you basically did sports to hang out with your friends and um, stay out of trouble. And so our, our family is really sports minded. Um, my just a little family backstory. My grandma was a national champion in um high school rodeo and she held a record for several decades and my mom was a state champion in the high school shot put um so and my younger brothers played college football for boise state um so sports is something that we all kind of did and um at least went through the the high school ranks and knowing that that my athletic career um, was going to end in high school i knew that sports is something that i wanted to sort of carry into um what my career looked like um, I went to the University of Nevada, Reno, um, in the journalism school, thinking that I was going to get into sports writing for a magazine or a newspaper or blogs were, were really the cutting edge thing at that point. That was really what sports content was somewhat limited to from an external perspective. Um, and as part of my undergraduate work, had to do um, or complete some internship credit. Um, and so I got an internship in the athletic department um in sports information so um organizing files and compiling records for the ski team and the rifle team and working on media guide updates and updating stats and all of those um sort of nitty-gritty details but that grew into an opportunity that i could i could work in various departments within athletics um, where i got to learn about ticketing and fundraising and marketing and i kind of got the bug for um, working on that side of the sports space um, and helping sort of execute and tell the stories of the student athletes um, and the coaches there. And so I knew that that's something that, that I wanted to sort of shift my focus toward, maybe not necessarily covering things from an external perspective, but sort of being part of the internal team that, that made those things happen. 
Um, so after I graduated, I interned for the PAC-10 conference for um, a year as a public relations intern. That included being um, on the media coordination team for the Rose Bowl game, and that year was the BCS National Championship with Texas and USC, a game that will live in college football history. Yeah, um, so time, that was an awesome first national championship experience for me and coming off of this last yeah, January. On. Yeah, with the, the CFP national championship being in Los Angeles, it was kind of a full circle moment for me, um, both career wise, being someone from the West Coast, all of those things. So that was a tremendous opportunity. Um, from there, I went to graduate school at University of Washington. They have an intercollegiate athletic leadership program in their education school. Um, and as part of that, needed to figure out some internship experience. And so I had been working temporarily um, at Boise State since my brothers were going to school there after my internship were, was wrapped up. So um, thought maybe I'd either go back to Boise or I'd stay in Seattle and be a graduate assistant or figure something out. And there was an opportunity with um, the Mount West Conference in Colorado Springs um, for their multimedia coordinator, which was a fancy way of saying their webmaster at the time. That was what digital looked like in this college sports space um, in the uh, mid 2000s. Um, and so I applied for that and uh, was offered the job and accepted it. And so I completed my first um, year as a full-time staff member um, all while finishing my master's degree um, at the University of Washington. And so having that experience, sort of teaching myself on the fly what, um, you know, what HTML code looked like and how to write CSS and all of the things that um, really made uh, our website at the time, our digital property sing, um, was something that I took great pride in. And then the responsibilities there grew. I was there for 11 years. And so I got to do a little bit more in the communication space, um, and as, as that time was happening, social media was becoming more and more prevalent for, um, for brands in particular, and given my, um, focus in, in the digital space for the Mountain West, you know, we wanted to, to dip our toe in it. Um, and so it took some convincing, but we finally started and we, we launched a, a Facebook page for the Mountain West after Utah played Alabama in the, um, Sugar Bowl and actually David defeated Goliath in that respect. Um, so that was a great opportunity for the conference and its history to sort of capitalize on that moment. And then um, from there, we we evolved into a Twitter feed and then a couple other Twitter feeds and then an Instagram account and all of those things. And then it even grew to um, our creating a digital network in-house where um, we were, um, at the time that I had left, were streaming uh, nearly 2,000 events across the whole league um, from basically helping provide additional exposure for those sports that wasn't part of the television rights agreement. Um, but then also doing feature content. Um, we built a studio out in our office and all of that stuff. So sort of telling those stories as well. So that was also a tremendous opportunity for me. Um, and then from there, uh, joined the college football playoff staff in 2014. 18, August of 2018. So just finished my fifth national championship game here um, as our assistant director of communications and branding. Amazing. You know, we have a lot of similarities, I think, to our careers too, because I was, you know, in radio in Kansas City before social media and then started with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think it was one of two, like, quote unquote, reporters, right? And that was internal yeah. team then beginning to do 
digital content that was from the team, from the brand. So uh, an interesting sort of crossover there. I think from a just sports perspective, college football has taken some major <laughs> changes or have gone through some major changes over the course of the years from being, you know, kind of an arbitrary uh, champion, right, with an AP yep. or or whoever's deciding who's going to be the, the the title winner that year to then the BCS and now the playoff, which is we'll get into the expansion of this. But from a digital perspective, not necessarily just the the actual sport and how it's changed and deciding who the champion is, from a digital perspective, what have you seen that's changed um, over the course of the years and how college football fans are interacting with sort of the digital space now? Yeah, I have always thought that um, sports in general, um, you know, people really want access. People are super passionate about the teams that they root for, the players and the coaches that they're pulling for. Um, they're passionate about the traditions that their teams um, have upheld and the camaraderie that sort of connects us all um, and wants want as much access as they possibly can get. And then they even love the rivalry piece of it. And I think with college football in particular, it's it's very tribal in nature. Um, it's, it's as close, in my opinion, um, as, as close as what we have here in the United States to, to maybe the Premier League in, in European soccer, um, just with, with how passionate and how generational even college football can be. So I think that there's tremendous opportunity and so much story that can be told um, from team to team and industry-wide. Um, you know, it's really interesting in this use case in college football and focusing on it in particular coming here from a place where I worked on 18 sports and 13 different institutions um, that the college football season, like really, if we think about it, it's, it's a 12 game regular season, maybe a conference championship game, maybe a bowl game or a playoff appearance. And then that's really it. So it's really a finite amount of time, but college football season, similar to the NFL is really happening 365 days a year. So there's just so much, um, content that can be produced in that regard. I think the evolution of content creation and publishing has really seen an interesting evolution as it relates to staffing in terms of the content teams that college football programs have created and built in-house sort of, and in a lot of instances in parallel path to maybe what athletic departments in general are doing, having people who are super hyper-focused on college football content creation as opposed to athletic department-wide content creation and what dynamics that creates. Um, I think NIL is a total, we're just, you know, getting into um, a year or two or looking at what that looks like and what the, the further impact of that can be um, and how content creation and publishing and creating opportunities for people who want to be involved on sort of that end of the spectrum, um, what that looks like for the future. Um, you know, and as, as the industry moves and changes and evolves, so do the platforms themselves. Um, you know, we're going through a really interesting time, I feel like right now, as it relates to the social platforms with how they're changing with their leadership, with government wanting to be involved, um, with algorithms always changing, um, and even with the media companies themselves. Um, so, so finding ways, I think, for the future to, to figure out what that looks like for those of us who spend our day-to-day -day relying on some of those platforms and mediums in order to, to tell our stories as well and sort of own it in that regard.
what are your specific thoughts about the playoffs? Because I think that's really exciting, and I do think it's going to potentially bring a different fan base to it because I think people will sort of be like, oh, you know, the casual fan might not watch. Maybe they'll watch the rivalry games, but overall they probably won't watch uh, – um, you know, that much during the, during, well, now the regular season, but like you might get a big uptick with these, uh, you know, with the actual full play, uh, you know, playoff. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm a, I'm a huge college football fan and I'm, I would say that whether my employer was the college football playoff or not. So I spend, you know, each college football Saturday sort of watching and consuming is is probably more than I ought to that is that is healthy for one's brain or eyes um so I'm excited about the potential of there being even more college football being available um having uh having come from the background that I come from working um at a group of five conference and having um had family members you know my younger brothers they're twins and they were offensive linemen for Boise State and their junior season was the um, the famous Fiesta Bowl that went into double overtime and ended in a Statue of Liberty play that, that beat Oklahoma. And mm -hmm. so thinking about like what that could have looked like in a different system, I think is kind of, kind of fun. It's all, all hypothetical, of course, but it's, it's kind of fun to think about, especially if you're passionate about the sport in general. I think what it also provides us um, in terms of the future, you know, the CFP is rather young. We're just heading into our 10th college football season where the CFP has been in existence in the 14 playoff. And so um, one of our goals in the digital and social space has really been not only to engage, but to educate on, um, you know, what the selection committee looks like. How does that process sort of play itself out and what steps they take? Um, what data they're looking at, all of those things in order to rank teams one through 25. Um, so we've leaned into that a lot here at the CFP. And so it's an, it's an exciting opportunity, I feel like, for us to not only to continue to do that, but then to sort of strike that balance in this upcoming season ahead to celebrate, you know, the 10th year of the CFP and the national champion that will ultimately, you know, will culminate the season with, but then what the future looks like in a 12-team situation um, and how that, that can evolve and educating folks on what that will look like and the difference between rankings versus seating in a bracket and all of that stuff. But then it also creates really tremendous exposure for the CFP brand um, to touch additional um, teams and locations across the country that maybe have not had as much direct access, that maybe had had thoughts of it when a season started, but maybe didn't at the end of their season. So with, for instance, the the first round of the, the playoff being held, um, you know, on campus uh, and, and being hosted in, in December, that that opportunity to have the CFP brand sort of in the, the campus experience, I think, is really, really exciting for us. Um, and then just seeing how all of that evolves as well, I think that that'll be something that that I'm, I'm looking a lot forward to as, as we try to figure this whole thing out. It's definitely, um, it'll be here before we know it, of course. Um, so there's lots of work to be done, but something that we're all super energized about too. Even the NCAA tournament for basketball uh, at some level, you know, you would think maybe a couple of those first round games being on home courts and just the pageantry and and the, the effect of it. And that's so cool about 
uh, college football is the product in person. I've traveled to some of the SEC games and had the time of my life. Ole Miss, I think, was the best time I've ever had at a, at a college football game or any uh, sports experience. So the product when you're there is incredible. The product yeah. when you watch on TV also plays really well. So there's drama. There is the in-person, in-venue sort of experience. And I, I don't know if a lot of sports can say that. Um, even to the NFL level from a lens now where you expand out to 12 um, and this seismic shift we have seen in, in sort of college sports and where teams are switching conferences. We don't really know where they are from a geographical standpoint, but how do you represent sort of college football as a whole? And then these teams, especially when you're going to have 12, how do you kind of evenly sort of give the right exposure, the right sort of bandwidth to each team, so to speak? Yeah, it's, it's tricky, and I think we're still trying to find what that sweet spot looks like, quite honestly. Um, in my first five years here, we've sort of tried to evolve it and um, remind ourselves that, that you can't eat an elephant in a day. Um, but, but I think that we're getting there. You know, I think we've found a good stride in um, finding a voice that is, that is somewhat celebratory in nature. You know, at, at its core, people are maybe not necessarily Rob Lowe sitting in the stands with an NFL logo hat on, CFP logo hat on. Instead, they probably have something of, you know, their favorite team or maybe their conference, maybe, but probably the student athletes and coaches that that play and coach as well. So um, we're not, not of any of illusion there. So finding that balance and um, really using a celebratory tone um, about the excitement that is college football, I think is something that um, that has helped us sort of focus what our voice looks like. Um, one thing that that I wasn't necessarily um, aware of when I joined the team here, but something that I'm probably the most proud of um, is we bring in um, we bring in a group of content creators that are either current students or fresh out of college that are doing this week in and week out throughout the college football season and really the full academic year on their campuses, um, you know, photographers, videographers, graphic designers, vertical storytellers, publishers, you name it. And we'll bring in a group of like 15 or so um, and basically give them the keys to the car and let them drive and tell the story of what the national championship weekend looks like. That's cool. um, that is uh, that is led by, um, we have a postgraduate internship here um, there's, there's four total, but one specifically for our department. And that person is, um, my right hand and, and second pair of, of eyes and ears. Um, but that person gets to sort of oversee and supervise that team during game week. So it's a tremendous leadership opportunity for them as well. But having that perspective of people directly either in that demographic on campus or just, just fresh out of graduating and having done it. Um, I think helps us also keep it fresh and new um, and help us find some balance in that regard as well. Um, and then we've got tremendous relationships with, with the schools themselves. We The CFP at its core is governed by each of the FBS conferences in Notre Dame. So, um, of course, we want to make sure that, that we're really focusing on if we're sp- focusing on team content in particular, it's, it's previous champions or people who have or team people or teams who have appeared in the CFP in the past, like if we're going down 
um, an NFL draft content series or something in that regard. We'll focus on that kind of stuff. Um, and then we, we work with the teams and the conferences when it does become selection committee time um, for those rankings to come out to make sure that, you know, we're the first ones to, to get that content out there into the ecosystem. Um, so making sure that their brands are reflected in the manner that they want them to, to be, but also still in a celebratory and fun and educational way. Um, you know, we experimented with some stuff this year um, when the first set of selection committee rankings came out, it was right off of Tennessee's big upset win where the goalposts came down. And so we included some imagery of, of that goalpost in, in our rankings graphic, just finding ways um, that, that feel like there's that, again, that piece of connection and, and camaraderie that sort of binds college football fans together within their fan base, but sort of expands it into that micro or that macro environment rather um, for college football in general. So recently, at the announcement for 24 and 25 that the college football playoffs is also going to take place on the same weekend as NFL wildcard? Uh, yes, it is. So that's that's awesome, too. So was that sort of a, a coordinated effort? Are you guys feeling like there's an opportunity there to have, you know, just blast football and take up that entire space and, and make sure that it's sort of an ownable weekend? Yeah, I think I think we're trying to sort of carve it out to make sure also that there's there's ample time for the teams to advance from um, from round to round, ample rest time for them to um, you know focus on their studies and get their bodies right and all of those things um, because student athlete welfare is really at the core of of what we are focused on. Um, but there's tremendous opportunity with with the NFL playoffs. Um, you know, starting starting in that same time um, for us to sort of capitalize on all of that excitement that is around football, but carving out a space for the CFP on where we can land in that as well. So, um, you know, it's it's an interesting endeavor when college football is really um, historically played on on Saturdays, and now that the NFL has, has eked itself into the Saturdays in December as well with some of the regular season. Um, so there will be some days, at least the first round, we'll have some um, days where, where there will be NFL games and college football games going head-to-head -head against each other. I think that that's going to be really interesting. Um, and, then, and then the way that the calendar has fallen out um, with, with the way the weekends will play, it'll just be, you know, four or five days back-to-back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back -to -back, whether it's NFL playoffs or the CFP, that if you're a football junkie, you can really – really get your fix. So we're excited about that. And then we're going to continue, I think, to have the national championship um, played on a Monday. Um, so rather than the first full Monday um, of January will be the third. So um, it'll be January 20th and in 2025 in Atlanta and January 19th and 2026 in Miami. Um, and then that'll carry us through what our current television rights agreement looks like. And then, and then beyond there, um, we'll see where it all takes us as well. So that'll get us to the end of what our current ESPN rights agreement is. And then, and then we'll see what the future holds. That's really like a, a March madness happening at the, at the, during the NBA playoffs, which I mean, it, I guess it's close, but you know, especially now that you're building out further, like how they go about with certain things, like 
do you take any learnings from it is basically what my question yeah absolutely i've got um tremendous relationships with um a lot of the folks who who work in digital and social at the ncaa chris dion and jalen arton and several others there um nate led by nate flannery they do a tremendous job as it relates to sort of telling that story for both the men's and the women's tournaments quite honestly um so it was really fortunate for us um, just a couple of months ago that, that both the men's and women's final fours were here in the state of Texas. And so to see what that looked like in real time um, was really tremendous. And, and we are always picking each other's brains and are also um, moral support for each other as it relates to, to how um, how the seasons progress and, and to brainstorm as well. Um, ironically, um, I was hired here at the college football playoff by, by Gina Leahy, who's um, a VP at the NCAA now working in communications there. So, um, that's another great tie for us to sort of, to sort of get some learnings from and, and see, um, you know, what's working for them. What can we, we adapt, but I think we're always, I, if you guys check out, this is not a plug for my social accounts whatsoever, but if you were to look at my social feeds, um, Twitter and Instagram in particular, and looked at my follower account, you guys would think that I was a bot. Like I was going to spam somebody with a bunch of craziness. I am a geek for all things content. Um, and I'm always trying to pay attention to, to what other sports organizations either here in the States or, or abroad are doing or other consumer facing brands. Um, and the creator space, of course, is is ever evolving now with with influencer marketing, um, the rise of, of TikTok creators and what have you. Um, so I'm always trying to find ways that that we can get learnings and maybe apply some of those um, sort of everyday content use cases to, to maybe a, a playoff experience as well. You know, for us, when we've had some, some clients, um, and, and back even to my Nick's days and, and the content creation and distribution of it, you know, that balance of finding new, cool, different things to do to make sure you're staying on top of what the trends are and also standing out in, in what can be a pretty saturated, crowded space of sports fans. And how do you approach that? I mean, or what are some of the things that maybe stand out that you like, whether it's, you know, the style of graphics or illustrations, uh, video content, you personally, what are you seeing maybe currently in the trends moving forward that you would like to implement on, on your channels? Yeah, you know, um, I think we still here at the CFP are trying to find ways to make our brand relevant 365 days a year. Um, you know, we tend to see it naturally a huge uptick in our engagement and our follower base um, from really the Halloween time to middle of January, because that's when CFP season um, is typically happening with selection committee rankings and then all through the national championship game. Um, so finding ways that we can sort of stop the scroll and cut through the traffic and noise that of all of the content that we're all consuming um, those other months of the year is a huge priority for us all the time. So um, again, leaning into um, the natural cadence that is the football season, whether it's collegiate or professional and where the CFP sort of lands. Um, NFL draft is a big one. Uh, we've got a tremendous relationship with their social folk team. So, um, and that's continuing to grow. So we're really excited about that. 
um, using content, repurposing it from previous years and finding ways to, um, you know, do look backs and, and tap into maybe some current trends with some, some older content in that regard. Um, we collaborate with ESPN a whole lot um, on, on the college football space as well. Um, but, you know, I, I've also always been a firm believer that, um, that we don't always have to have FOMO either. If there's something that's trending that makes sense for a brand, we will lean into it and we'll dive in and we'll find a way that make it work. But if we're seeing something happening that doesn't make sense for, you know, what our mission values and, um, you know, what college football really is and what makes it unique, um, maybe we'll shy away from that. Um, so it's, it's kind of finding, striking that balance as well. But um, I think ultimately like good stories are good stories and, and content that can really create conversation or incitement that feels like it's, in, it's been, in, it's been inspired um, in how it was created, but then is also inspiring for the audience. Ultimately um, that relatability piece is something that that is always at the forefront of my mind. Um, you know, whether it's 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 graphic design or um, you know video creation or photography, what have you. Um, and and again, going back to um, having myself and and our intern that that that, that internship, um, while it gets a little tricky. Um, and there's a lot of expectation maybe on that sort of position coming fresh out of college and, you know, being thrown, thrown to the wolves, so to speak, um, and treated as a full-time, you know, social staffer. Um, it's a tremendous opportunity to grow, but then it also provides just that unique, different perspective, um, to find things that, that'll really resonate. Um, and again, cut through, through some of that, that noise that ends up taking up more of our feeds maybe than some of us would like. On that note, and I think we all deal with it, I um, definitely have have tried to figure out this balance. And I think we see it a lot, and, and I, I'm glad people are talking about it, that digital is kind of a 365, 24-7 sort of experience. And if you're working in it, yep. it's difficult to turn that off. I find myself constantly on the feeds. I do look for inspiration. Um, and that's where I find a lot of that. But then sometimes I feel like I'm I'm just addicted to that phone experience. And so how do you deal with that? Do you do you take breaks? Do you kind of shut it off? Um, I think I, people would benefit from hearing, you know, a person like yourself in, in, in this field um, yeah. and how you balance that. Because sometimes it is that. And I like that you brought up the FOMO part of it and how a brand can say, no, we're not. We don't need to necessarily be everywhere. But yep. as a person running it, how do you handle those types of things? Yeah, I, I wish I had the secret sauce for that, too. Um, if anybody's got the elixir, I am, <laughs> I am willing to purchase. So certainly hit me up. Um, I was actually just having a conversation as, as late as last night with someone who was um, on our social team this last year about, you know, we work in sports and sports are happening in evenings, on weekends and during holidays. And so that gets tricky when you work in sports, but then you're also a sports fan and want to consume it, you know, as your way to unplug. Um, I have found myself, um, as I think a, a lot of people in the United States right now, being really hyper fixated on Formula One, both professionally, um, but also personally. And so finding ways that maybe I can unplug and step away from the college football stuff and then sort of 
use that as a hobby. Um, you know, it's still sports related. So sometimes that still feels like you're on and trying, you'll find, you know, inspiration no matter where you go, um, or, you know, things you want to do or things you don't want to emulate that are, that is happening out there in the ecosystem. So I think that's kind of natural. Um, I think it does help that, um, while I'm, I'm living in Texas and I, I wish my family were closer that they're, they're mostly in the, um, Pacific and, and mountain time zones. And so that sort of time change helps if I want to stay in touch with my family um, on a regular basis, needing to carve that out, unplugging, making sure I'm plugging in with that time change situation. I think that has helped create some natural boundary. I think focusing on one sport for me in particular, coming from a conference office has also sort of helped um, sort of creates whatever balance is. But I also think that balance is super that word gets thrown out a lot. Um, I think that that word also though is super subjective. Like what is balance for Jonah and Elliot and Keith is not necessarily balanced for Katie. It may be, um, but, but more often than not, like it just depends on what works for you. Um, so I think that that's, that's super important, but I also think like particularly now in May, you know, it's, it's mental health awareness month. Um, and, we all, those of us who have the keys to these accounts that people are super passionate about, um, you know, that there are trolls out there who are, who are, you know, the keyboard warriors that are, aren't afraid to just throw junk out into the ecosystem that you're consuming, you know, finding ways that you can either turn it off or create blinders for yourself to, to protect your well-being, like, we can only be as good as our job if, if we're taking care of ourselves. So that I think ultimately like that's at the forefront of my forehead. We just have to take care of ourselves in order to be good at, you know, good for others in our lives and, and good at, at what we spend the majority of our time doing. How as a fan has your journey changed? Cause I feel like as someone who's worked in sports a lot, like, you know, I've, I've kind of gone up and I've worked with a lot of the teams that uh, including the Knicks uh, with Jonah, um, that I, you know, grew up being fans of. Um, and, and I think it has changed, you know, my fandom um, th- through, you know, in good ways and bad ways. Um, just, it, it, it just, I think you become a different kind of uh, fan, I guess. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that, especially working on uh, with a kind of league wide, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as a fan, Um, I think one thing that working in sports has done has sort of shifted how I watch and consume a game either in person or on TV or on my phone or iPad or computer. Um, So for instance, like I think before I had gotten as deep as maybe I am now in my career, you know, I could, I could watch a game and just watch, you know, the ball go up, up and down the court or up and down the field or, or whatever the actual competition is. And the deeper I've gotten into working in sports, I'm looking at what's happening in the crowd or um, what maybe PA announcements are happening or what broadcast elements could be cool. And sort of, again, it's part of that creating balance for yourself. Like, are you watching that as, as an extracurricular or are you always on to get inspiration or learnings from? Um, and then there's the piece of it too, and being a fan and, and watching games and, and looking out for people that you know. I think that's super fun. 
Um, you know, I, I mentioned Formula One earlier. I was fortunate enough um, to be a guest of Aston Martin at the uh, Grand Prix in Austin last fall. Um, and as part of that, there were several of the folks that we work with, both from a vendor perspective at the CFP, but then at the social platforms themselves that were also there for the Grand Prix, that that was, that made the experience even cooler to have, you know, additional network and relationships, um, at, at that similar shared experience event as a sports fan. Um, so I think that that's something that has sort of shifted how I look at things, um, you know, it's it's interesting, you, and I think that we all sort of, those of us who work maybe on the league or um, team or organizing body um, perspective, you know, we're, we're sort of a small group that, that leans on each other a lot. So I think that there's also that piece of consuming sport um, to make sure that things don't go wrong and, and to help out if, if there is, or provide moral support or what have you. Um, but then also to celebrate when it does go great for folks. Um, so that's always exciting too. And, um, sort of has shifted how, how I watch things, but I will also say that as I've gotten deeper in my career, the ability to just focus on a sporting event as a fan without having a second or third screen and that's in person or, um, at home, uh, is, is, is tricky. Cause I always want to see, for instance, Twitter is, is, you know, the global sports bar. What makes Twitter so great, um, at its core. And I think what people really have loved sports for with Twitter is the instant, um, bond and commentary and reaction that we all share together in that space that maybe other platforms have not provided. Um, and so it's, it's tricky for me to be in an event or, or to be watching a game someplace and not have at least my phone up and scrolling at the same time. So then the focus is, is a little bit split in that regard too. Um, but I think that that's just as much maybe the evolution of how we consume media as consumers, as much as it is maybe working in sports and, and finding a way as a fan to enjoy that sort of in the off hours as well. Greatly appreciate you joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. I think a lot of people can take some of uh, your insight and information that you provided here and uh, find out more about the college football playoff. But um, if they wanted to follow you on social, can you, uh, you know, give out your handles there and then find all the Formula One stuff that you've been thinking about lately. Yeah, watch out for the flood. And and like I said, if you're looking at my follower account, don't think I'm a bot. I am a real person. (laughs) I do follow a lot of folks. Um, So um, if you've got cool stuff, like drop me a line too. I'd love to follow you. Um, At Katie Cavender on Twitter, um, as well as LinkedIn, at Katie Cavender on Instagram. But it's K80 Cavender there. Um, and that, and then for um, the CFP, we're at CFB, as in boy, playoff, college football playoff um, on all of the channels on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube. Come find us where we'd be excited to interact with you. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks for listening to the We Need to Be Doing That podcast. Visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information. <laughs>